You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Tracy Tracy, and that's a number one hit from 1982 here on 80s Revisited. Welcome back, everybody, to not just me, myself, but also my producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. Special guest, Melissa Sedgley. Yo. Since my wife isn't here anymore, we stole Jesse's wife. <laughs> so there is a female element, so no hashtags, 80s Revisited, so male. Ah. There's really, you know, we don't want to, we want to avoid controversy here. <laughs> and by the way, she might be back. I'm sure you forgot. But I am Trey Harris. Of course, if Daniel Santangelo, the old co-host, was here, he'd say, do it, Trey, do it. Because I would always say whenever there'd be a big delay, we're back in the saddle again. But it's been so long. But we have uh, Paul McCartney and, who is it? Stevie Wonder? Stevie Wonder, so, <laughs> exactly. So there would be no need for that. But that just maybe always, always, every time we come back from a delay, it makes me think of Daniel. I mean, this is my gym music right here. This pumps me up. <laughs> whenever I need that good pump after work. Yeah. Or that spin class where I need to push that last mile straight out. <laughs> but it's good ah, to be back so in good. the new awesome podcast network studio. Oh, the yeah, spacious. That's... I can stretch out without <laughs> hitting a wall or a closet door. That's true. We were by a wall last time. We're, yeah. Still very nice Still. then, but now it's just, we got space. That's true. So A little bit of upgrade. and oh, A very, very nice upgrade. You might hear... Some echo behind us, a little bit. maybe, because the room is just the studio is so big now. Well, yeah, not too bad. <laughs> but anyway, we're, we're in back. normal seats. We're not off the floor. <laughs> yeah, we're not on bar stools. They're nice you know, office chairs. Which had some charm, but you know these chairs are. <laughs> you can lean back. Upgrade. Yeah, you can relax. A more casual '80s revisited now that we're back from the yeah. extended break. So welcome to 2015, a new era for '80s revisited. Maybe, maybe not. But to get our tongues and minds back in the podcasting groove, we're going to do the top 10 films of night, or I should say, my top 10 films of 1982. The, my favorite little ditties from that year that, I don't know, whatever, I can't go anywhere. I was going to do another Casey Kasem <laughs> thing, but that's overplayed on anything anyway. Just say, I'm Casey Kasem. And this is, whatever. Fuck it. All right. <laughs> anyway, but. Three well, months, this, man. <laughs> exactly. Three it takes months. Some time. We used to be so good at this. <laughs> Gotta shake the dust off. Not anymore. I feel like Stallone and Creed, you know? Hey, 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 give me an Oscar. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see about we'll that later, later too. We'll I don't know. They're looking good. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> if you were driving to the theater on June 4th, 1982, to see my pick for the 10th best film of the year, or they're really not in any particular order until we get to the top few, to be perfectly honest, because there is mm-hmm. a clear-cut winner here for 1982. June 4th, 1982, it's a sequel to a science fiction franchise, not my favorite, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, the one that most people... That was almost Christopher (laughs) Walken-esque. I dare not go there. 
with the gun. Gun. <laughs> What's you? What are you doing? <laughs> Our bad impressions are already back. It well, take it's better time. whenever you're doing it uh, without knowing. You're not you're intentionally doing. trying to do it. <laughs> right. Subconsciously channeling Christopher Walken. With Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, most people's favorite movie in the Trekverse before the reboot, I'd say, because it was. Again, I'm a, I like Star Trek. Not a big, big fan of the series, but the big, big fans, the Trekkies, Trekkers, usually look to Part Two as being that's the one. Mm-hmm. Still a cool movie, still good. Ricardo Montalban as Khan did a great job until Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch came along and just said, "Nah, bro, that did a better is job." Because <laughs> yes, In the Darkness, one of my favorite science fiction films of all time, I would say. Uh, Funny enough, I started watching one. it and didn't finish it. I don't know why. It was on Netflix, you know. But mm-hmm. I can just it, watch any part it of it. It feels like, so easy whenever it's on Netflix. You get it and you just don't treasure it as much. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you stop more, it and you're like, eh, you forget about it. You got more than I have. I've only ever watched the, the series, like TV-wise. I've oh, never well. gotten to the movies. Oh, I mean, not push and play at the beginning, something else. But, I mean, if you push play and then you stopped it at some point, yeah. eh, it's not, you're not as cherishing it as much yeah i see what you're saying yeah so you haven't seen any of the star trek movies except the new ones or not, not even i've those? seen the new ones okay. but not the old one. i've watched all the old tv series mm-hmm. you know Chatner all the way back to him and all the way up to you know deep space i mean all those i just never watched the movies because as growing up in the 80s the tv show the original at least wasn't in syndication anywhere near us here in louisiana mm-hmm. uh so i'll my introduction to Star Trek was always the movies until the next generation came, and then that was like, oh, the show's awesome. And that's uh, yeah, when I well, became I, like a fan. Like, I, always, I guess that may, might be why I like the next generation better, excuse me, than the old cast, at least, and, and movie wise as well. You know, First Contact's probably one of my favorites next to the reboots, as far as that goes. Jesse, hmm. you got an opinion on the Star Trek movies? Um, not, no, not really the old ones. I didn't watch those. I was a next generation guy. Yeah. Same here. Respect. Yep. Oh, right. What did it come out at? 10 o'clock, I think? Yeah, like 9 uh, or 10. To be sitting just on my belly right after like <laughs> uh, like Quantum Leap came on around the same time. Mm-hmm. I want to say that anyway. Yeah, I think it yeah. feels the same. I'm trying to remember what it seemed like it came on maybe Thursday, and then like they'd replay it on the weekend, it seemed like, around here. But that's been so long ago, I don't remember. But that was always a highlight. I'd always get, I was always allowed to stay up late to watch Star Trek. Yeah. Because it wasn't too, too late, but... You know, when it's over, right, lights out, go to bed. That Exactly. So, Same deal. <laughs> it, it worked out really well. <laughs> so, But uh, also, when I was looking, again, similar to the previous years where we've done this kind of retrospective of looking back at my personal gems for these years, uh, the first, I'm mean, looking through this, like, God, there's a lot of crap this year. Crap, 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 crap. And then we hit May. Crap, crap, crap. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, there's so many movies. Mm. You know, even back then, the, well, know, the I mean, blockbusters is that, were... Is that the time when Oscar stuff's... Oscar stuff's usually more like in the fall when they kind of push it. Mm. Like, in fact, a lot of movies will get... Re- like, nowadays, even, a lot of movies might get a re-release in theaters around fall to remind people that this movie came out this year. Or and oh, remind yeah. people, I mean, Academy voters right. and all that kind of crap. But I think it was just the summer blockbuster, which was established by Jaws, basically, back in the day in mm. 1975, six, whatever summer that was when it came out. So all the, a lot of the... Of course, around here... And if you're listening to this, we pretty much grew up in the 80s anyway. So a lot of these movies, you know, the summer blockbusters were the ones geared towards kids usually anyway. Or just in terms of, you know, the general audience, which 
a lot of these movies, as you'll see as we're going through them, they're still known today. At least uh, 80% of them are widely known. Hmm. But uh, moving on, after June 4th, the next one, number nine, October 22nd, 1982. You'd be driving around. Listen, oh, a, a little ditty that I like. <laughs> a lot of people like. And fans of hand clapping really, really get into this song. But, uh, Good friend uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, who actually I didn't know this until recently, is currently dating Christy Brinkley. What a lucky son of a bitch! Because <laughs> not only did she look good in the '80s, she still looks she pretty still good. She still looks phenomenal for her age, like absolutely gorgeous. But that's right. You'd be listening to Jack and Diane by John Cougar Mellencamp on your way to the theater to see the first in a series that might still get a sequel. Supposedly, I'm not sure what the development is, but it would be the first time first blood was drawn on October 22nd, 1982. The original, based on the novel, of course, which we covered not too long ago on this, well, it's been a long time. Yeah. There's been a big break here. So it's been a while since we covered it on the podcast, but it is covered episode 113. Back, way back in March. March. Okay, almost a year. Almost. (laughs) Almost a year, last year this time. Mm. We're talking about first blood. But yeah, uh, of course, introduced the world to the character of John Rambo. Although not the version of Rambo that most people think of when they hear the name Rambo, because First Blood is much more of a drama as opposed to 1986's Rambo First Blood Part Two, where when when you think when most people think of Rambo, you think of an image. It's the cover of Rambo First Blood Part Two, holding a bazooka. I'm thinking of the novel because on the novel it said Rambo, and then underneath it has First Blood, and he's like standing Mm -hmm. up. With the gun, like on the novel cover. That's yeah. that's what after came the on. after the movie they incorporated that into the novel. Mm-hmm. So, but for a, a deep discussion on that film, uh, <laughs> listen to the episode one thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> it was one thirteen, right? Yeah, yes, it was. Making sure. Yeah, that's when we had our Stallone month. So, <laughs> and in fact, another film on that list will be coming up soon. No big deal to figure out what that one is. I'm sure for our eighties uh, uh, fans out there. But uh, moving on to number eight, August twentieth. 1982. Oh, another hint to a song, a movie that's coming up on the countdown. Although not the movie, not the song from the movie, but this film also dealt with a survivor of sorts, a survivor who survived his village being ransacked by the the uh, the, the junk horde. That's right, the last survivor of the Emirates, Dar, the Beastmaster, one of my favorite TBS memories back in the day. Which again, also. This movie was covered on the podcast. So, way, way back, I believe, when Daniel was still here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Uh, That was a long time ago. That was one of the first. Wait, which movie? Beastmaster. We'll get that number. Oh, there you go. Episode 99. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 37. It's reverse order. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so long. Actually, 99 episodes ago. A year ago (laughs) from the first Blood episode almost. Actually, technically 100 episodes ago, counting this one. No, that's true. Wow. 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 We're so old. Yep. Wow, that is to the date. Two years before the last one we just said. Strange. A coincidence of sorts. But yes, you'd be listening to Survivor, Eye of the Tiger, which was a big hit because of a very particular movie that we'll talk about in a couple of numbers. (laughs) But yeah, Beastmaster, uh, sucker for fantasy. And and a teaser, this isn't the only fantasy movie that came out in 1982 that's on this countdown. So if you are good with years, which I'm really not, you might be able to th- guess which other fantasy movie is included on here. Or you can Google 1982 movies and look at the list on And they're like all right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right in the <laughs> But anyway, the next movie, moving going a little bit back in time from August 20th to July 9th, 
Uh, I'm trying to think of a good segue here. I'm trying to see what the song is. Uh, oh yeah, I don't even... Oh, yeah, the song sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the song sucks. Uh, you're driving to the theater, listening to... Uh, what's, the, what's the song? Don't, don't you want... Don't you want me, babe? What's the name of the damn yeah. group? Um, it's uh, the Human League. Human League. It, you were thinking of, man, in 20 years, I could karaoke to this. <laughs> yeah, and... I am killing it on the music, by the way. <laughs> no shit. Keep it <laughs> I'm up. doing fade-ins and everything. Production yeah, this is, is live, by the way. We don't edit here. That's right. So everything is live, everything you're hearing. Exactly. But you'd be listening to Human League's Don't You Want Me Baby, which has a good intro. I like the intro, but it quickly gets aggravating. It's a karaoke duet classic, though. Yes, that is very true. <laughs> it rears its ugly head, as does the dated effects weeks. from... At the time, one of the most visually striking films of all time, the Disney classic, mm. Tron. Oh, yes. Now, of course, you look at it today, like what the hell's going on with this, these people under a black light, et cetera, et cetera. But mind you, young ones, at the time, this movie was groundbreaking. Uh, I would say as much as Tron Legacy, when it came out with its level of effects, how it looked, just... It, it took the groundwork from the original Tron and made it look how it should have looked, like how it needed to look to be. Yeah. You know, it's evolved from they're wearing white suits with, you know, fluorescent stuff, and then it's all shot in a computer. It almost looked like they couldn't achieve the white color. Yeah. Like, they just didn't know how. They're like, this is the best we can do. <laughs> <laughs> but again, 1982. I know. And, yeah. and again, it looks like crap today, but the movie itself, despite... The incredibly dated effects is still a great movie. Uh, and like when Tron Legacy came out, I was so ecstatic because Tron Legacy coming out led to them actually releasing the original Tron finally on Blu-ray. And uh, I think it had been, might have not even been on DVD at the time. I'm not 100% sure, but it seems like it, if it was, it was very rare. So they, you know, they remastered the original. So you can look at it in all of its strange, trippy glory. It's like somebody went in Photoshop and did like the posterized filter or something. The Neutron looks like they're all in Daft Punk. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> There's like a reason added, for that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It seems like they add a lot to it, too, because the rings, I don't remember the, the the ring things that they're they're showing. Yeah, the discs. I don't, I mean, was that in the original? Yeah, except in the original, they were basically Frisbees. They literally actually uh, were Frisbees. But it, were they uh, all those different colors? Uh, they just, in the original, it was the blue and the red. Oh, like, yeah, they can only achieve so much. Colors. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, in the in Legacy, we they... only have so much. See, Legacy is a perfect example of a, of a great sequel. It took what the original had and made it bigger and better. Mm. Not just because of the dated effects, but in the original, like, throwing the disc was like ricocheting it to hit the ground, and then that ring of the ground would drop away, like a bullseye uh, dartboard. Mm. Whatever part was hit would fade away, so then you'd fall and you'd make the, the other player die. Basically. You'd kill, you know, that's what was happening. You were yeah. killing the people in the digital world, or the programs, and all that, so... Tron, the movie Tron was incredibly ahead of its time, and that vision was ultimately realized uh, to its full extent with Tron Legacy. And of course, they're still talking about doing other sequels, which, awesome. Uh, Legacy was phenomenal. So, But enough of this song. So let's move on <laughs> to May 28th. I think we're going to be, should be, I would imagine, oh no. <laughs> Back to that. Back to uh, our starter song, Ebony and Ivory. I need to figure out what the number two songs are. <laughs> But anyway... They're great, but not so great. <laughs> yes. I mean, two great talents don't necessarily equal a great song. It's a classic, quote-unquote, but 
I mean, it, it was a number one for seven weeks. Mm -hmm. But again, it's the 80s. There were a lot of songs that were number one for longer yeah. than they should be. But you'd be listening to Ebony Ivory as you're driving to the theater, but this time you're going to see one of the best sequels of the 80s. And that would be, as the aforementioned, in case you hadn't guessed it yet, Rocky III. Rocky versus Clubber Lang. Mm. Arguably, in some people's opinion, the best Rocky, but I mean, that's always a touchy subject. There's always different opinions. There's good reasons for and against. Of course, this is the one, we did cover this one on the podcast as well during Stallone Month. And of course, the hit single from the song that everybody knows, arguably more so than Ebony and Ivory, Survivor's Eye of the Tiger, which didn't actually become number one. This was May 28th. Survivor, the Eye of the Tiger was on the soundtrack, but it didn't peak on the record charts till July 24th, nearly two months later. Mm -hmm. Which is odd. Usually, like soundtrack, uh, a theme song for a movie will be usually that right closer than that. Yeah. So maybe people didn't see it or it didn't get radio. Things were slow back then. then. <laughs> Technology was a little slower. They yeah. had to finish pressing the records by hand. <laughs> they were getting used to all that speedy. Yeah, but of course, Rocky Three. I mean, it's Rocky. I mean, a series still going stronger today, arguably stronger today than it was in the '80s, with two recently incredibly solid. I, well, an incredibly solid sequel, and then an, an incredibly solid spin-off sequel. However, you want to put uh, wherever you want to place Creed at in that equation, I'd say it's a it's almost it, and I, I know, honestly, it's more almost more of a reboot of the franchise than uh, I mean, it's a sequel. It's, it's technically a sequel, but arguably it's a reboot because hmm. I mean, all the elements are there of the original, but it's taking a character from the original. Oh, Frank Stallone's classic pushing from the Rocky Three soundtrack. Every time I think of Frank Stallone, I always think of that movie Fred Claus. Or had every all the famous people's brothers, right, right. And he it was said Frank Stallone and Bill Clinton's brother, and <laughs> I always think of that scene for some reason whenever I think of Frank Stallone, which is. Poor I don't think Frank I've Stallone. seen that one. I don't think I've seen. It's Frank. not good. Okay, yeah, I figured. But that scene is funny. That's probably why I didn't see. It. Paul Giamatti Santa Claus, so that's like a I think a plus thing that's uh, going for it. But is he angry Santa Claus? Nah, it's not like Santa Slay or anything. No. Although he would be an awesome evil Santa. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I would expect. But going back, actually, this is fun. I didn't even notice this, so I'm looking at this right here. But going back to June 4th, the same day that Star Trek II came out, which you don't need to play Ebony versus Ivory again. We'll no, be, we'll we got it. an 82 soundtrack going right now. Okay, good. <laughs> there you go. It works for me. Uh, you'd be going back. You had, a, you had an option on June 4th, 1982. If you were going, you know, with your friends, you know, your guy friends, you might have gone. You probably went to see Star Trek too because, oh, Star, it's a new Star Trek, man. Let's check it out, et cetera, et cetera. Boys night, geek night, however you want to put it. But if you're going on a date... You probably, you, you know, you always want to take your dates to a scary movie usually because the tactic there is, oh, they'll be scared, they'll stay close to you, they'll want to put, they'll be scared, you'll be able to put your arm around them, yeah. you'll be able to hollow out the popcorn and maybe get a little, a little frisky <laughs> down there. I don't even know if that reference flies these days. What's that mean? Hollow out the popcorn. Well, you see. <laughs> Dick in a box. Yeah. <laughs> put a put hole at the bottom of your popcorn yeah, and you insert your penis. And then that way. Be sure to cool your... the popcorn a little bit. No hot butter. <laughs> yeah, you know, you kids I mean, like take care, hot butter. Kids. Take care. Yeah, if you try this these days, you don't want. But anyway, blistered penis. But the horror movie you'd want to go see that released on June fourth would be the Toby Hooper, aka possibly Steven Spielberg classic Poltergeist, also reviewed on the podcast back in the day. Uh, I'm not sure if it was during Halloween Horror Month or not. I don't think it was. I think that's the one we did during the summer to. So oh, thirteen. Cool. Way, way mm -hmm. back. I, I will say, Poltergeist is the only one I saw all one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. And I don't watch very many horror movies at all. There's very few, but uh, something about that one—it was just—it was just enough scary to make it scary, but enough of that '80s style that mm -hmm. it's like it wasn't 
too scary for me to to sit through and i was kind of intrigued the whole like you know we're back and oh, yeah. the, the well, there's some, usually the stuff the TVs don't do anymore with the scratchy yeah. <laughs> things your on the TV screen. Your TV does that. There's a really serious <laughs> issue going on. In fact, it probably means your house is possessed by the devil yeah. if your TV goes in a... Yeah. <laughs> that white noise. But the, I think one of the... Um, of course, we talked about it on the podcast, but this is... Geez. Uh, four years later that we're talking about it now, so we can, mm. we can oh, retouch man. it. Revisit it, as you will. Revi- 80s revisited, revisited. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I think one of the cool, awesome things about Poltergeist, usually when, you at, when you're talking about, oh yeah, I remember that movie, Some, it's either the clown, it's either the skeletons in the pool, or it's either uh, the dude ripping his face off. Everybody usually has a different part that freaked them out as a kid. For me, it was a kid, it was the dude when he rips his face off. That was like, oh my god, that just tripped me out. Clown, mm. never, I've never been afraid of clowns. My brother was terrified of clowns because of Stephen King's It. Mm. So, yeah, I'm... But, Poltergeist, and of course they actually remade it this past year, which I haven't seen it because it was in an, a it was in and out of theaters in like two weeks, and oh, B I'm trying to prioritize time. my time. Sure, <laughs> but when later on this episode when we're talking about the best and worst of this year, I didn't prioritize all of my time well because there's some <laughs> terrible movies that came out this year. But anyway, Poltergeist number five. We actually see everything you watch. Yes, on Facebook. So yes, I like to follow let Trey Harris. Know. If you want to see what he's watching. But i got to be careful because I keep forgetting. Uh, I made mistakes of like saying, I'm at my house watching this movie. I wasn't at my house. I was at the movie theater. Oh, right. So right. I, I mistagged where I was when I watched this movie. <laughs> well, you live so close to the movie I, theater. Yeah, sometimes it just pulls yeah. my home address instead of... Yeah. GPS isn't uh, quite, you know. Yeah, it just, and the, the signal's bad. It, it still thinks I'm at home when I'm at <laughs> Cinemark Perkins Row in Baton Rouge, Louisiana watching these movies. Sure. Uh, not at my, in the comfort of my own living room. Yeah, that would be uh, odd. Yeah, considering the movies are <laughs> It'd be kind of weird, yet. you know, funny, like yeah. some sort of time machine or something. <laughs> but uh, moving on, June actually, June eleventh, I think it'd still be Ebony and I, or what would be oh, June eleventh? Really? Oh, right, right, June eleventh. I'm sure it's probably still because yeah, it would still be. You'd still for the okay, June fourth. <laughs> oh Lord, the week of June fourth, you might have, you probably went to the movies twice. You know, once with your bay, as they say, the kids say these days, mm-hmm. you poltergeist, and then with your friends, as you Star Trek too. But the next week. Your mind was probably blown by the highest grossing film of the year. Spoiler alert from the highest grossing list that comes at the end of these. But the Steven Spielberg classic, E.T., the extraterrestrial. Also covered on the podcast because we're on top of this shit. (laughs) But uh, E.T., huge, not just in terms of gross, but culturally impactful. Reese's Pieces were made even more famous because of it. Uh, the score from John Williams is among one of the best of all time, I'd say. Definitely one of the, his best in his top five, I'd say. Uh, behind Star Wars and Superman. Jurassic Park, of course. If you don't know who John Williams is, who just celebrated a birthday earlier this week. Happy birthday, John Williams. You're the greatest composer of all time. And enough John Williams ass-kicking, but uh, of course... <laughs> ass-kissing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, or yeah. kicking. I don't want to ki- kick his ass. He's old. <laughs> My apologies, <laughs> Master Williams. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> really... Freudian slip? No, that's something James Horner. Oh, Preston, he's dead. Let me not pick on James Horner. That's something uh, Brian Tyler would say. Kick John Williams' ass. I'm yeah. a composer. Although Brian Tyler's exceptionally talented as well. Mm. But anyway, that's that's composer geek talk. <laughs> Enough with that. But uh, yeah, we talked I mean, about ET before, and uh, of course they re- they did a special edition of ET, which, as we talked about on the podcast when we revisited it for the podcast, that was actually the virgin version I made the mistake of watching, with ET's digitally altered face to be more expressive and CGET hopping around everywhere. I mean, this is still a film that's so 
in today's standard, like still a big thing. Cause I mean, it was even maybe a couple years back. One of the teachers I teach with that she dressed up like Elliot. Oh yeah. I think you posted like, a picture. Yeah. And she, yeah, the, she, yeah. she brought the bicycle. She, she had a bicycle. She put the basket. She had a little ET stuffed animal in the front. She dressed up like Elliot and rode around in the courtyard. I mean, that's just been a couple of years, but still, I mean, after that long after, mm-hmm. but it's, I mean, it's something that now <laughs> Say people our age or older want to, ex- you know, ex- you know, show that to their their kids. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is the stuffed animal thing that I had when I was yeah. your age. And it's, I mean, again, it's a culturally impactful film. There's every now, oh, yeah. usually at least once a year or so. There's, you know, there's one film that you could point at. Like this year, it's Star Wars. Obviously, Star Wars is yeah. back. Oh, like it's, yeah. it, it's more popular now than it ever was because it's the old fans and the new fans. Et when it came out, I mean. My third birthday, I believe, was an ET cape. Like, my mom has a picture of it, you know. Because wow. you had to take pictures with film back in the day. And it was ET. Like, <laughs> I was in love with ET. I had the toys, you know, the doll in my, you know, slept with the little doll. In a plutonic Atari way. Game. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a great documentary on Netflix. I can't remember if I, I watched it. it. Yeah, you mentioned it video last game, time. the movie, or... I can't remember what it's called, but it's about... I It's called something, but it's about the history of Atari... E.T. and then finding the games in the landfill. Oh, the the guy who Ga- Atari, Atari game, game over. over yeah. Yeah. That's it. Video games, the movies, that's something different. It was good. Yeah. I mean, but, the guys uh, they literally had to dig through and they started looking for things with the date, trying to get close yeah. to Digging like, oh, trash, well, if we but, find no. stuff this date, then we're getting close. But they found it. You know, yeah. I remember when that happened. It was a huge deal. Mm. Yeah. And then, but the documentary was ruined the end of that good. movie because of all the news they got. <laughs> but <laughs> well, there was no but it's still interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you knew they were going to find it, but it was still right. Very very interesting. But yeah, E.T. number four. What could be better than E.T.? But if you listen to the podcast, I love E.T. It's a good movie, but it's not my favorite movie. You know, as a kid, it was. But as an adult, like, ah, you know, I still appreciate it, still love it. But it's not one that I'd go, I go to. You know, my kids will grow up on it. But again, there are better things. Walkie-talkies or guns? Both. Both? <laughs> I had both. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we'd have our little M16s from Walmart <laughs> with the orange tip. And we'd I mean, have our little... when you show them E.T., Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're not. If if I, we're watching it, and it's like to that part where, I'm, or whenever I finally real like get to a scene where like, oh wait, this is CG turning off. Like, sorry kids, we right. have to stop this. We this have to wait two version. days for Amazon Prime to send the right one. Right by version. then. Oh yeah, a drone will Hold come on. to your door. <laughs> yeah. Dad, there's a package in the drone pad. Oh, get it? It's ET. Oh, yeah. People like one of those Jetson thing. You just push a button and it just pops through the shoot. Shoot. And who knows where it's going? Tubes running but, down yeah. everybody's yeah. house. Yeah, but definitely, E.T., if you haven't watched it again, A, listen to our podcast on it way back in the day. But then make sure if you watch it, don't watch the special edition. It just, it truly takes away from it. Much like when you, excuse me, as a fan of Star Wars, when you watch the special editions now, it's just like, nah. Coincidentally, it was episode 82. There you go. Mm. Which was like 54 episodes ago. Yeah. Because <laughs> now when we look at that number, we know the correlation, yeah. thanks, to, thanks to Jesse's spot on math. Yes. But anyway, moving on to May 14th, 1982, the top three, my favorite three movies as a uh, growing up. What did I say? May 14th? Yeah. yeah. So still, it was actually, this was the first week. Actually, no. No, it wouldn't be. Maybe. The day before Ebony and Ivory started dominating <laughs> the charts, you would have been listening to strangely enough, the number one song in America was an instrumental theme to a movie, hmm. which is pretty much unheard of these days. Uh, but it would be the classic theme, Chariots of Fire, by Vangelis, who 
be brought up again on this podcast relating to one of the other two movies that are left. FYI. So you probably already guessed it if you're smart. Like, or excuse <laughs> me, a lot of our, all of our listeners are smart. But if you know who Vangelis is, you know the other big movie they did, and you know what that is. If you're smart on Vangelis, there you go. Put it to you that way. But anyway, and I also mentioned there was another fantasy film on the on this on my list, and of course it's the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic, Conan the Barbarian, May Fourteenth, nineteen eighty two. Did we mm. do the Barbarian or Destroyer? I think we did Destroyer. We haven't even done Barbarian yet, if I remember correctly. We're going to double check, because I'm pretty sure we did Destroyer, because Daniel had already seen it and liked that one. Yep. yep. Episode 75, back in 2014. <laughs> Conan the Destroyer. So we haven't covered it yet on the podcast, but here's a brief preview. Wow. It's awesome. <laughs> it's the adult. Uh, when I, as a kid, I watched it. That's why we did Destroyer. I remember now. It's called Coming Back to Me. Uh, we did Destroyer because I watched it a shit ton as a kid, because... It wasn't R-rated with titties and witch boobs and, you know, violence and suicidal women. All the good all stuff. The, you know, all the stuff as an adult you love more. And as a preteen, you, you start to, be, you know, get excited about. But anyway, Conan the Destroyer, the introduction to Arnold Schwarzenegger, pretty much, aside from, you know, the Hercules and Pumping Iron, this was his first big Hollywood blockbuster. And, of course, it inspired a sequel with Destroyer a few years later. As his stock rose and rose, and then of course the remake with Call uh, Drago, Jason Momoa, who's now Aquaman. Huh. Which the remake I was, was playing the wrong song. Terrible. <laughs> That's was, live podcast for you. I was like, I what is notice. wrong with Chariots of Fire? What's, what was what was even playing? I was still playing uh, Poltergeist. Oh, <laughs> didn't even. <laughs> I got two devices going, people. Hey, again, live podcasting. Yeah, but yeah, there, like, there it is. Yeah, that's what I remember Chariots of Fire sounding like. In fact, I would like, annoy... When's he get theme? <laughs> <laughs> I would annoy my parents by running in slow motion whenever oh, the song came did. on, of course. <laughs> that was a big thing in the 80s, kids. Yeah. Whenever the scene comes on, everybody has to run in slow motion. Well, and of course, everybody did the drums. <laughs> well, even in television shows, even now today, that... It's still it's iconic. It's like yeah. that... Whenever there's a race, or yeah. I think Always Sunny's done it a few times, maybe at least once. Maybe the Goldbergs might have done it. Probably oh, everybody. I mean, it's it's everywhere. Literally everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but May Fourteenth, Conan the Barbarian. This would have been the last day that this song topped the charts before <laughs> the domination of Seven Weeks by Ebony and Ivory <laughs> by Paul McCartney and Sarah Paul McCartney. Excuse me, and Stevie Wonder. Right. This was number one for one week. And let's see, June 25th is the next one. Number two, this was really hard for me to like decide between. It's definitely a clear winner, but number one and number two are two of the greatest films of the 80s, in my opinion. We're going to keep playing this because uh, Ebony and Ivory have got enough time. <laughs> Actually, and here's the funny thing. Number one and number two released on the same day. Ah. Very, un, very unusual. So, And actually, it was the day of, right before... Ebony Ivory's reign ended, and the Human League's three-week reign began. Ah, okay. So this is definitely We've better. We already covered to. all that. Yes. <laughs> so I'll play some of these uh, off. Uh, you know, some of the ones that played before summer. Yeah, that's good. Because <laughs> again, when, sure they were still up there on the charts somewhere. Yeah, you know, it's one of the top ten. They don't just disappear. They just right. get knocked down. Yeah, I but, see one right now. I mean, it's still in the '90s. We were playing that every. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, a lot of karaoke staples on this list that we're looking <laughs> oh, yeah. at right now. Except Chariots of Fire, because nobody can do that one justice when they karaoke. Just say I can. I just stand you there just stand behind there the and mic. Run, <laughs> run slowly. <laughs> Touche, my friend. Touche. But anyway, uh, these the number one, number two, both been covered on the podcast before. The first one, 
John Carpenter is one of my favorite directors. Uh, of course, he's really hasn't done much in many years. He did like a direct to DVD, so or direct to digital, I guess is the proper term now uh, with the Ward, which really wasn't that good. Still had a good look to it, still had a Carpenter feel. But anyway, in the 80s, John Carpenter was amazing, and of course in the late 70s, as he rose. But uh, you know, we're talking the Halloween, Big Trouble in Little China, which was the first movie covered on the podcast, of course, for our veterans. Daniel's least favorite movie, I think, that we did, <laughs> except for Xanadu, during his time on the podcast. But anyway, uh, whenever you talk about John Carpenter's body of work, there's there's so many standouts, and they're pretty much all in the 80s, for the most part. Uh, and it, it's usually hard to pick which one of his, you consider his masterpiece. I mean, Halloween put him on the map, still one of the greatest horror movies of all time. However, The Thing is, if anybody said that's their favorite horror movie or their favorite Carpenter film, I can't, you can't argue with them. The Thing was absolutely incredible. As we covered on the podcast before, the visual effects for the thing still hold up. Practical effects, some rear screen projection. I still see articles coming up uh, about, hey, I bet you never noticed this on the thing, like my new theory about the ending and all sorts of stuff. Like, I mean, it's, uh, they had a video game not too long ago, or I say not too long, but I think PlayStation 2, <laughs> which was, uh, took place alongside the first game. They made a prequel with um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Joel Edgerton, who's now super famous from uh, his recent string of hits. I'm playing music from Big Trouble because I can't find the thing music. <laughs> but it's just down, down. Down, down. Very well, this subtle. Is, this is and, more 80s. Than yeah, and also, and it's relating mm. to John Carpenter because John Carpenter is famous for doing his own soundtracks. However, mm. he didn't do the soundtrack for The Thing. Uh, Ennio Morricone did. Of course, Good, Bad, The Ugly, famous composer. Recently, he did Hateful Eight with Tarantino. Uh, so... But regardless if Carpenter's doing a theme or usually all of his movies themes share one thing and that is simply that they're minimalist scores. I mean, Halloween is just a little, I think, three, four time scale or something. I remember, I listened to an article, I read an article where Mm. he was like describing the creation of it. It was just a little thing he would play to warm up basically and then... And it scared the shit out of everybody. You you play it in the right key (laughs) and it's terrifying. In fact, there's a great video online uh, on YouTube. You can just search like horror movies in A minor or C major. It's some different. It's they play a whole bunch of horror movies in a different key, and it makes them all sound like happy. It's really weird. They do the X Files, the Saw theme. Uh, it'd be uh, a it's, major it's, key. It's that, it's that number five, five horror and TV movie themes in a major key. Now this one. Wait, not the not. Wait, this one. This is a different one, but. Yeah. yeah, it's in a major key, so major keys always sound more cheerful. <laughs> yeah, see ya? It's like if Jaws was a musical, it would be in a major key. <laughs> Coming to eat the people, yeah. better evacuate the beach. <laughs> Get away from me with those barrels, Chief Brody. <laughs> I'm a shark and I like to eat. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, so that, you get the point. <laughs> that's going to be a thing soon. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Oh, speaking of Carpenter, The Fog, which he did the score for. But again... This is the major cheerful yeah. version. Walking through the fog on Broadway. <laughs> yeah, but you know. Yeah. That nah, that's still that's still terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's getting oh, a little, it's oh, getting yeah. a little hopeful. She's gonna make it. She's gonna make it. Oh no, no, she's dying. <laughs> no! She's dying. <laughs> But it's amazing the difference. I remember, like, I think it was on a Cannibal the Musical's commentary where Trey Parker said, like, the, the song in the jail, with the, the chick, the girl song that she sings to him, 
Like he, he did it in like B minor or B flat or something, whatever. He said the key and he said he did that because that's the saddest key. Mm, and yeah. that's what you do a sad song in. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it, but it's really amazing when you listen to these themes like that. It's like, yeah, it's not scary. So bad. <laughs> but yeah, number two, the thing. So we've come this far and anybody who listens to this podcast should know what my, if I had to pick a favorite movie, you know, everybody's favorite movie changes. You know, you know, for a while it was The Force Awakens. That's my favorite movie. It's so good. I want to watch it again and again. You know, your favorite movie is very malleable. But if somebody tells me or if somebody, if I have to write down an answer. And I put the number one film of 1982, which also released on June 25th, the same day as The Thing. And I put Blade Runner down. I would be comfortable with that answer being on my tombstone. Like, right. That's a, that's a solid choice. I knew that already. As I was searching for yeah. it. <laughs> and we mentioned Vangelis, who did Charity It's a Fire. They did the score for this film, uh, depending on which version you watched. Because, uh, the, the of course, if you went and, actually, let me rephrase that. If you went and saw this on June 25th, 1982, you'd probably be like, that was all right. It was striking. It was beautiful. But, of course, Blade Runner was a failure when it came out. Hmm. Uh, you know, there was a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. If you have the Blu-ray, any of the myriad versions of the Blu-ray, there's a documentary of like a four-hour documentary on there. I forget the name of it, but it's the making of Blade Runner. And they go, go through all of the kind of turmoil behind the scenes and everything. Uh, uh, but the theatrical version had the, the uh, voiceover intro and outro, which are terrible, <laughs> to lack of a better word. But then the director's came out, cut came out, I believe, in 92. But it was also a work print version in the late 80s, if I remember my Blade Runner chronology correctly. But anyway, Blade Runner has, you know, it went from a flop to being... Basically, most people consider it the greatest science fiction. One of the, if one, if not the greatest science fiction film ever made. Its influence is still felt in modern science fiction. Uh, everything from Mad Max, the current one, to uh, Road Warrior. Most science fiction films owe modern science fiction films have some nod, either uh, inten- uh, intentionally or just in the way that it's made, to Blade Runner, and that's and. Blade Runner was what made me a Ridley Scott fan. Like aside from the fact he also did Legend and you know some other great films, but uh, and you know he's kind of not captured that aspect of his talent back. Mm. I'd say, you know Hannibal, uh, The Martian. <laughs> say what you will, Martian sucked. Uh, oh. Me, okay. I didn't get to finish it. Spoilers! It, spoilers! <laughs> it didn't. It didn't suck, but it was like okay, it's overrated. Let me put it that way. It didn't suck. I would agree with that. Completely it's, overrated. I was surprised to see it in the. Uh, Best picture category. Yeah, let, we'll talk about that in just a minute. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Blade Runner's box office. Again, we covered it on the podcast. You know, it made th- uh, twenty-eight million dollar budget, made thirty-three in the box office upon its release. But again, since then, and if you look at like milestones in cinema or influential things, you got Citizen Kane on there, Wizard of Oz, possibly. You know, for color. You know, there's these big milestones in cinema. Any list that doesn't include Blade Runner is invalid. This, it's one of the most important films, not just of the 80s, but of all time, in my opinion. And that's a little bit fanboy, but it's also true. Mm-hmm. The aesthetic, everything about it. But it's just, if you haven't seen it, watch the director's cut. Don't watch the theatrical, or at least the final cut. In fact, uh, Cinemark Theaters had it in theaters for one of the anniver- whatever anniversary it was not too long ago. Got to see it in the theater for like the fourth time, and it's still like, ah, it's so good. <laughs> it looks like a modern movie. I like wow. that the theaters have been doing that. It, it, certain theaters, they'll kind of do those uh, series mm-hmm. of bringing back old movies to put back on the, the big yeah. screen. 
it's a double-edged sword because when I saw Blade Runner had a good crowd, people want to see it. And then uh, you commented on Jessica, we went and saw Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which I had never seen mm-hmm. before, ever. I always heard about it, but my dad, like John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, never usually watched that one. So uh-huh. I always heard about how good it was and we're watching it, like, okay, you know, I can see it's good for the time. But we had elderly people in the theater with us. So they're like, oh, like before them, like, oh, what are those black bars at the top and bottom? Like, oh, it's just a picture. Like, I mean, they're just complaining about <laughs> talking the whole time. Oh, like, gosh. It, and it didn't ruin it, but I mean, I had to just laugh and like, oh, God. Like, and they were walking out and they're like, they don't make them like that no more. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, they don't for a reason. <laughs> it was great at the time, you know, but anyway, <laughs> this isn't 70s or 60s revisited. Yet at least, but yeah, number, the, my pick for the my favorite film, not just of 1982, but arguably all time, Blade Runner, June 25th, 1982, a day long remembered. Not as not as important technically. I mean, it's important, but not technically as important as the day in '92 when the director's cut came out. Mm. And that that's day where the, the cult. What day did the uh, director's cut come out? I have no clue to be honest okay. with you. <laughs> Can't look up the top it was, song. It that. was the second DVD I ever owned. Ah. First one was Jet Li Fist of Legend. If you, if you want to know the first. But anyway, that does it for the top. Uh, so honorable mention, just to kind of give you an idea of some of the other films that came out this same year. Uh, Swamp Thing, Wes Craven, Rest of Soul. Uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall, which we've both of those have been covered on the podcast. Uh, Last Unicorn, an animation classic, which will actually be coming up next mo- or soon in uh, our animation fest that we're about to kick off next week. Uh, Creep Show, Halloween 3, Dark Crystal, Tootsie, Fast Sounds of Ridgemont High, Friday the 13th Part 3, and World According to Garp, a Robin Williams classic that's very forgotten by most people I'd mm. say but a very good movie nonetheless and as I like to do with this film uh, these list uh, the worst film of the year which I've never seen all of and there's a reason because I just couldn't stand it uh, Grease 2 <laughs> I've seen Grease 2 and there's the one decent song that comes out of Grease 2 where she's like um, she's in the auditorium area and it's it's like the girls, famous song. There's like little moments, or like when he rides by on his motorcycle, and I, I will admit I, I've never finished it either. <laughs> but there are those couple of songs that it's like, oh, it's almost like Greece. No, this is not like Greece. Well, I say to myself like, oh, I can just see young Michelle Pfeiffer for an hour and a half, and then it's like, no, nah, I can't do this. <laughs> then I watch Batman Returns. Yeah, just and <laughs> I'm good on Pfeifferness. A lot of people agree with you. I look up worst movies of 1982. Oh, Greece Two is way up there. It's what I mean. If I can't get through a musical, yeah, so I was going through the list. It. I was just like, okay, that's not a good movie. And you know, I saw the previous list you had at Halloween 3 up there, which, again, it's not a fantastic movie, but it has its charm. I don't even recognize some of the other ones. Yeah, a lot of those seem to be like uh, those direct-to-video. Uh, direct oh, Turkish Star Wars. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, go to YouTube and look up Turkish Star Wars training montage, and that's all you need to know. Don't waste yep. any more of your life watching it. Basically, Aww, the Turkish cinema Annie. ripped off a lot of movies. Yeah. And that was their version of Star Wars. <laughs> but uh, in the year 1982, we're approaching Oscar season uh, here now in 2016 for the films of 2015, which we'll talk about in just a second. But uh, 1982, best picture was Gandhi, Ben Kingsley, an Englishman, played an Indian. Mm. You know, Gandhi, hashtag Gandhi so white. <laughs> uh, best director was Richard Attenborough for Gandhi. Of course, Richard Attenborough, you might know that name. You're like, I know that name. What is that? Of course, it's... Uh, John Hammond from Jurassic Park, God rest his soul. Uh, best actor, Ben Kingsley for Gandhi. Best actress, no, not somebody from Gandhi. It was Meryl Streep from Sophie's Choice. 
I'm not sure what number that was for her. Oh, in fact, oh, don't be fooled, by the way, people. There's a meme going around about like how Meryl Streep so influ or went back to an audition and cried, and now she has 18 Oscars. She doesn't have 18 Oscars. She has like two or three and like 60 nominations. nominations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So don't, she doesn't have that many Oscars. Nobody has that many Oscars. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, it's a very, her story is inspiring what it's saying, but the payoff is wrong. That's all I'm saying. Uh, anyway, and then again, top grossing like we'd like to do on the list. Highest grossing film of the year, the aforementioned E.T., $359 million. That's then. That's not adjusted for inflation. Uh, Meryl Streep has three. Catherine, 12 nominations. Catherine Hepburn. No, no, she has 19 nominations. Oh, whoops, I was looking at Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Whoops, sorry, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's see, yeah. Catherine Hepburn has the most wins yeah. with four. That's male or female. Where's Tom Hanks on there? He so now everyone knows. Tom Hanks, Tom, good actor. All uh, right there. He has two with five nominations. Okay, I thought he had three for some reason. Oh, well. Oh, Might well. be. A lot of people Wikipedia. have Wikipedia. I mean, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no, that's right, because I remember when Daniel Day-Lewis won for Lincoln, that put him ahead of Hanks. Ah. I think they were nominated that same year for something, I think, and it was whoever got it would be like have you know be tied with Nicholson. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, number two, the high, second highest grossing film of the year, Tootsie, 177 million, almost half of what E.T. made. Uh, number three, Officer and a Gentleman. Number four, Rocky Three, Porky's, Star Trek Two, 48 Hours, Poltergeist. Number nine, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. And it'll make you happy, Melissa, to know that the 10th highest grossing film of the year was Annie. However, mm -hmm. highest grossing film, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, 359 million. The 10th highest grossing film, 57 million. E.T. made $302 million more than Annie. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Well, and, and with Annie, it's the movie versus the, the show on Broadway, like the stage show, and then the new Disney one that they tried to come out with was, way late. Yeah. I mean, it's just... The, the movie and the stage are very, very different. And yeah. some people, it's like you either really like one or the other or not at all. Yeah. I mean, I've watched the movie because Tim Curry's in it. Mm, yeah. And it's shorter than the play. And some you were the great in the play, by the way. Oh, thank you. Just not my, just not, not my cup of tea. <laughs> well, and some of the your songs was, even. Uh, that's, your scene was the best. Not just say that because you're here. But literally, I was like laughing, like, okay, I'm enjoying it. And then I was like, okay. Okay, back to <laughs> so let's wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up. Oh, wrap yeah. It up. <laughs> a, a lot of the songs are very different yeah. on the stage. Not like the movie. The, the songs change a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's a classic. Mm. I mean, you know, but there's better it's out there. It's very family-friendly. That's probably yeah. why it did really well. It's a very family-friendly kind of show. Yeah. Yeah, movie-wise. But now, jump. we always like to do this, too, usually at the end of the year. But, of course, this is our first podcast of the year. Uh, we like to talk about our top, our favorite and least favorite films of the past year as our part of our, our Back to the Future segment, oh, wow. like we normally have. Mm. So this year, my top 10 favorite films of 2015. I don't have dates for these, so just so you I'm know. Not, I'm not going to play <laughs> yeah. today's music on here. Anyway, uh, I'll start from the... <laughs> fuck it. We're gonna, it's, it. It's fucking Star Wars. There's, <laughs> it's, again, it's, it's Star Wars. There's, there's no surprise. There's no way to suspend disbelief as to what it could be. Uh, I guess it'd be more suspenseful to what would my if Star Wars hadn't come out this year, what would my favorite film be? I know what mine would have been, Mad Max. Yeah, that's exactly mine too. I don't know, I don't know what it was about the the movie itself because I'd never seen the original, mm -hmm. so I had no, you know, I I guess maybe that's what made it so not like I had nothing going into. It. I just watched it for what it was mm -hmm. and. 
I really liked that one. Like, I just watched them and like, gosh, I really like this. And I don't normally like action movies mm-hmm. at all. Like, I don't really get into them. I like more of like, you know, something very dramatic or big time comedy where I can bust out laughing. Mm-hmm. I don't normally go for that kind of thing. But based on the other stuff that I watched, that was the most entertaining oh, yeah. for me to, to watch. And I'll be honest, like, I've seen Star Wars three times. Of course, it's not out yet. I don't need to work and watch it more. But yeah. I've... When we went to Hawaii late, early, uh, late last year, I should say, like I had, that was after Mad Max had come out on Blu-ray, had the digital copy. I watched the fucking thing like ten times. Mm. Like, I mean, in all, if I had to like really think about it, it is the best film of the year. Like, it, it's probably my favorite film of the year, but it's hard to say because Star Wars is so much nostalgia. Yeah. But Mad Max is a phen- if it is just phenomenal. Fury Road, of course, not the original. Right. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> but uh. Well, yeah, and also number two for, for me would be Fury Road. It's yeah. just star, nostalgia beats the nostalgia of Star Wars and the fact that Star Wars is back and better than it's ever been mm-hmm. is what, narrow, I mean, honestly, narrowly edges out Fury Road for me. Well, and it says a lot about the film for the fact that it was a summer film and to be nominated for Best Picture oh, It actually Picture was earlier. Oscar. It was like in March. Oh, yeah. I mean, for, for, for Fury being... Fury Road, I should say, not Star Wars. For being <laughs> such a, like, you know, I had no clue about it until like way later in the year watching it mm-hmm. you know after the oscar it's like wow you know it's nominated after you know not being kind of on people's minds for a long time so it says a lot about the film because uh autumn was in wisconsin training and I, that's when i went and saw it and i'm just like oh my god <laughs> oh my god this movie is like my mind was literally blown mm. <laughs> just like uh what's his name in the film <laughs> no, spoilers. Right. No, no names for spoilers <laughs> If you have not seen Mad Max, go fucking see it. Mm. Like, I'd be shocked. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, I, 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 if it was a girl, I'd fuck the hell out of it. Not to be rude. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's I it's phenomenal. It. it is a phenomenal <laughs> film. It and again, it came out of nowhere. Like, I knew it was coming out, but I don't, I don't think anybody like as a audience member thought it was a, it was going to be what it was mm. in right. terms of just like. It is the best action film since Terminator 2, in my opinion. I mean, it's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Tom Hardy signed on for two more. But I they're mean, not going to do them. Well, no, he said that... George Miller came out and said that, like, he is doing them. Like, there was oh. an article where he... Because I was like, are you fucking... I was so... Last like, I heard, he said he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Then, like, a day or two after it, it said, like, he killed for Like, no, no, like, we are working on them. It's just he's doing other things first. Because uh, it's so time-intensive to make them that... That's huh. all we get. Anyway, yeah, we'll, <laughs> well see. I, and I'll say with with Star Wars, watching it, I watched Star Wars in such a weird order of everything. Like, I saw four, five, and six. Then I saw two, three. Then I saw seven. Then went back to one. And it's like, I guess, like mentally, my brain trying to watch this new Star Wars and then going all the way back to like back to one and all mm-hmm. the way through. I, I have such just absolute hatred almost for Kylo Ren like I, like oh yeah like I, oh like, to me like everybody I, should have seen it it's made like a, a billion dollars domestically so <laughs> everybody has listened to this has seen it if not sorry spoilers yeah. I mean I mean it, it says a lot about it that I have so much hatred for him because that means he's doing his job I mean yeah. he's doing his job I mean as an actor he's doing what his character is meant to be it, it is to be you know the bad guy but I I've always loved Darth Vader even before when like whenever he you know B 
becoming Darth Vader and just being created into who he was. And I felt he really was a good bad guy character. Yeah. But I mean, for what the new one showed, it was. It, it, I almost felt like, is this more like I'm loving it because it is Star Wars and I love Star Wars and the franchise, or is it because it's nostalgic? Or, you know, it's like it's one a bit of those everything things. with yeah, Star Wars. Like, cause, but it is a good, I, I'll be honest with you. Five years, or like once this new trilogy is over, and like when you look back, I promise you I'm probably going to watch Mad Max more than Star Wars, than Force Awakens, I should say. And that, that's not to take away anything from Force Awakens. It's just, that's how good Mad Max was. Although, like, I can't say that it was my favorite film of the year because I'm still on a Star Wars high. Yeah. You know, I mean, to be perfectly honest. And like you said, Kyle, and let's not forget, Darth Vader is a, such a popular villain. The dude killed an entire fucking planet. He's worse than Hitler. <laughs> but yet, and I can Kylo still... Kylo Ren killed, like, six planets. So he's already <laughs> six times more evil. But it's, here's the thing. That, that didn't bother me. It bothered me that he fucking killed Han Solo. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> I'm spoiler sorry. Story. You should have seen it already. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure if you haven't gone this long, it's been spoiled for you already anyway. Oh, I am. And the you making have a no desire to do it, really. I mean, I imagine. Yeah. If you haven't seen it by now. Well, and every and, time I watch that, it hurts my. I'm just like, I just hate watching this. Well, and it wasn't even. You see it coming a mile away, but at the whole time when the first time I watch, I'm just like, please. Is it still in the please. theaters? Yeah. <laughs> it probably won't be after this weekend because Deadpool's coming out. Well, now and, it and I imagine even, that might push it out of a lot of theaters. It wasn't even just about the fact of who he killed, knowing Jeez, that you know. It is because <laughs> crazy. You know the sad the sad thing is is that you knew somebody big was gonna die. I mean that was just a given before going into it. It's like okay, who who's it gonna be? You know somebody's gonna. Kick I honestly the didn't bucket. expect somebody to die in this one. I expected somebody to die in the second one. Yeah, but that, that was like going in that was again because I, I stayed blind to everything like yeah. I didn't try to read too much into anything going in I just wanted to go in and like just be blown away which I was and it was amazing yeah. but I mean that when, it, when as it's getting close you know that got a bad feeling about this mm. well <laughs> and, it, and it was the way he died it was like it was so kind of almost like lackluster as I wouldn't far say as it was I mean but it's just one of those kind of like you know oh just now now you're dead there's right, not much bye. to do with the lightsaber <laughs> Right. Cutting off his head would have been out of place. I mean, nothing, yeah, but, good, nothing good happens on a catwalk. No, <laughs> yeah. no, nothing. <laughs> but it's just, it, every. I mean, I've seen it three times, and every time it's just, I'm back to, I'm just like heartbroken. It's like knowing mm. what's going to happen. You're it like hurts. Chewy. <laughs> oh, when he roars, like, like oh, I don't that, ever cheer up until like he's, when he screams and he's been, Chewy gets pissed off and yeah. shoots at him. And then. Well, and, yeah. and I had this guy, because we were all thinking about like, oh, oh gosh, why am I forgetting her name? Ray. Ray, because I want to call her Rin. <laughs> I don't know. Is Rin like the other person? <laughs> <laughs> but um, when Ray, like, when she goes... Rin and Phasma, I guess. <laughs> when she goes at the end and she's walk, walking up the stairs, she gets to that moment. And I, and I keep thinking, it's like, you know, who is she? Who is this person? And, and I think uh, me and Jesse were actually kind of contemplating talking about it after we saw the whole thing. And I was like... I wonder if she has some link to Obi Wan. Like, I, is there I hope some... she's Obi Wan's daughter. I don't that, want her to be that was, Skywalker. I was like, that's too much. It makes the universe smaller. It's like because I was like, I wonder if she has some kind of connection to Obi Wan because it would have made a lot of sense because Obi Wan is who you know had a link to the Skywalkers but wasn't a Skywalker. It could be totally unre like unrelated I mean, to any she of them. Yes. but. But I if really, she is, I mean, this small family would be responsible for fucking the universe, basically. <laughs> well, that's what the prequels <laughs> did. Like, in the original trilogy, it's expansive. It's just, there's a, he finds his son. It's kind of isolated with that. 
the, the family comes with the sister and all that. I mean, it's, it's just a, a small thing. But then in the prequels, everybody's related. Like, seeing yeah. every like, hey, you know, it's like, oh, we're all friends we? now. Yoda, what's up, man? We're the like, Kardashians no. of our time. It, boom. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Everything we do affects the universe. But the and thing- see, I'm, I'm surprised. Like, okay, they gave a somewhat shout out to Darth Vader, you know, showing his helmet. Though, technically, I don't know how that helmet could have... Become like that, you know. Because he went melted. to Indoor, killed a shit ton of Ewoks, and took the it, helmet. But why is yeah. it all melted like that? Because I mean, he burned, burned him, him at the end of Jedi. At the end of Six. Remember the whole like funeral pyre scene? Mm-hmm. So it's, that's why it's melted. The yeah. helmet, at least. But yeah. it's like they had a little shout out to him, but it's it's like, you know, you just mentioned Yoda, and it's it was so crazy. It's like, why didn't my brain realize while watching? Because I actually had a question, like, does Yoda not show up? And they're like, duh, Yoda's dead. But it's like, you know, I just wish they would have Spoilers had some kind for of... Spoilers for five. <laughs> oh, well, now if they have a scene. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're going six, that six, far six. back. But um, I just five wish they would have... Right, right. Would have given dies. some <laughs> kind of shout out to it. You know, because they did... I mean, they, they showed Luke's hand type thing. You know, it's back to what, robot again or something? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously this, something happened. But I mean, that's also... It's in, uh, not to get into a huge Star Wars thing, because we could talk hours about that. <laughs> but uh, oh, they want all these questions answered. But to me, it's like, no, we need, to, we don't need to know why this and this, this is. Like, we will know yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I, just didn't, I trust I just, in JJ. We trust. Yeah. Right. I just yeah, wish so. it didn't take him so long to get to next. Like, gosh, the what, 2017? I'm, 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 first of all, about that, I'm glad they're releasing the next one around Christmas too. I thought that was awesome. Mm. I like it's like a Christmas present because. <laughs> You know, Autumn was like, oh, we because we watched the Star Wars movies again leading up to it. Like, cause she, I mean, I can recite them backwards, forwards, basically. But she's like, wait, which one was that? So, like, you know, of course we watch them again. But just, hey, hey there's no bad reason to ever watch Star Wars, the original trilogy. So she's like, oh, she's like, oh, I wish these, you know, the new ones would come out every Christmas. We can make it a tradition from watching all three. I'm like, first of all, they don't need to come out every year for us to make it a tradition. Right. But <laughs> I understand what you're saying, and I agree. <laughs> but anyway, we'll talk about Star Wars more on another one because we got more stuff bad, other, more important things not important but other movies to talk about actually uh, production began on part 8 today yeah so Woo! there we go Yay! marking the day <laughs> but anyway number 3 for me of the year would be The Revenant uh, I mean there's not really nothing even three bad to say about it hours of crawling crawl and crawl hey and Lord crawl. of the Rings had 3 movies <laughs> of slowly walking yeah. so The Revenant yeah, had 3 true. hours of crawling as opposed to 9 hours of walking but uh <laughs> Uh, I mean, on a technical and like just visual level, like the Revenant was to drama what Mad Max was to action in terms of just what your the images you're seeing on the screen. Mm-hmm. It was just every acting, music, visuals, sound, phenomenal. Uh, number four uh, for me would be Creed. I don't know if y'all saw that yet. I did. I thought it was fantastic. Like I was like, yes, mm-hmm. like the mantle has been passed. Stallone, you made me cry again. <laughs> and Michael B. Jordan, like you, you know. Underrated until, I mean, I hadn't seen uh, Fruitvale Station. Fruitvale Station. I haven't seen that either. It, but it's, I've always heard it's really good. But I, that's one I haven't seen. But it was, of course, the him and the director of Creed. He was uh, in Friday Night Lights. That's the first time I saw. Him. First time I saw him was Chronicle, I think, and then yeah. I made the misfortune of watching Fantastic Four, which is on the next little list we're about to get to. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Creed was again. If you, if you grew up on Rocky. This I mean, you have to see it. Yep. It's it's fantastic, and one of the most impressive in a year where you had the Revenant and Mad Max and Star Wars with some amazing visuals on the screen. Creed had one of the best with that one take in the ring, mm. no cut fight mm. scene. Phenomenal, well done. Uh, number five for me was Hateful Eight. 
I mean, Tarantino, Russell, Madsen, Roth, Jennifer Jason Lee, who all the other ones I'm missing. Tarantino All Stars. Yeah. <laughs> in a room for three hours. Samuel Jackson, of course, how could I forget? Sure. In a room for three hours with Tarantino directing. Mm-hmm. There's why haven't you seen like yes, it's phenomenal. Tatum. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Tatum. <laughs> oh, I love when he poked his head out. Uh number six, uh I think I can't remember. It's been so long since we talked on here, but uh, I mentioned talking to other people. Like this was to me, like 2015 was a year. Like it was, this year is a resurgence of sci-fi, and not just because there was a lot of science fiction movies made, but there was some good in the vein of Blade Runner science fiction movies that came out this year. Yeah, Mad Max, uh, of course, Star Wars. You know, it, there's shades of Blade Runner in it. Yes, because just that's how influential it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, also the next two. Uh, number six, Ex, Ma- Ex Machina, which stars Oscar Isaac, Poe Dameron, and uh, I forget the dude's name from Harry Potter. It's a weird name. He's also in The Revenant. Uh, the redhead. Yeah, he's like in everything Yeah, the, Him and the chick from <laughs> Ex Machina were in everything this year. Aliza Van, whatever. Alicia Vikendar. She was in this. Uh, Danish Girl. Several other things. Uh, Man from Uncle. Uh, Don Hall Gleason. That's it. Yeah. He shows up in everything this year, as does Oscar Isaac, it seems. Like, the cast of Ex Machina is in, like, so many other things. And together with mm. <laughs> Force Awakens. Uh, but, yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's phenomenal. It's, it's one of those, uh, I'd put it in, you know, the first time you watch it is, it blows your mind. It's that yeah, good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Very, very good. Uh, that's all I want to say, because I'm sure a lot of people probably haven't seen it, so go see it. There's a robot in it. Yeah, she's hot. Uh, but then uh, number seven for me, another science fiction. I mentioned on the podcast before would be Chappie. A lot of people hated oh, it because really? of, uh, what's their names? Die Ant World. I thought they did decent. Like, like I wasn't expect. I guess my expectations were low for them. Yeah. And when they were in, I was like, yeah, that's not bad. See, I didn't even know them <laughs> until this movie. And I was like, these, these, I hope some, I hope Hugh Jackman kills these fuckers. But, <laughs> but that the, was it. That's what yeah, they were supposed to do. <laughs> exactly. Because they're, they're criminals. Like you weren't supposed yeah. to like them. But, uh, I think I mentioned on the podcast before when I brought it up earlier last year about the film, uh, one of the most disturbing scenes in any movie I've ever seen, uh, was in this film. If you haven't seen it, uh, check it out. Uh, I don't want to spoil it because some again, it, a, lot of, a lot of people hate it. A lot of people like it. I personally thought it was amazing. Uh, Neil Blomkamp, Blomkamp, however you pronounce his last name, mm-hmm. uh, I think he is the Ridley Scott of today. Uh, in terms of his vi- when he creates a, he, he's done. Of course, he did uh, uh, District Nine and uh, Elysium. It's in front of you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like those. What would you say? I said it's in front of you. Oh. You had your eyes closed while you were trying to remember. <laughs> Middle computer. And of course, he's doing an alien film that takes that doesn't that pretends three and four didn't happen. Hicks mm. is back. Uh, but when, when you look at either of his three big films that he's had, like he, he does what uh, Nicholas Winden Refn does like with Drive and his movies. Like he creates a world. A, there's a world that exists in his films that you buy, you believe into. Yeah. It's the whole package. There's a deeper mythology to his movies. There's other things going on. Uh, I think he is one of the best it's modern the directors Wars out music. there. <laughs> 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 but yeah, Chappie, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, number eight for me, another love it or hate it film for a lot of people, but uh, Crimson Peak. Uh, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be some sort of really scary horror movie and went into it thinking that it was going to be, you know, like a, a Conjuring or something, big scare type movie. But anybody, if you're familiar with Del Toro's work, like uh, Devil's Backbone, 
even Pan's Labyrinth. I mean, they're not really horror. It's more like a gothic horror dra- drama type film. And yes. uh, the visuals, again, Del Toro, one of my favorite directors out there right now, always brings incredible visuals. He's doing a series for Netflix with Voltron. Mm. So 80s kids form feet and legs and I'll form the head because mm-hmm. Vol- he's doing, you know, you know, the guy that did Pacific Rim is doing Voltron for Netflix. Yeah. I believe it's animated, but still, he has a hand in it and it's fucking Voltron. Mm. But uh, anyway, again, a lot of people loved it. A lot of people hated it. I personally thought it was visually fantastic. It was a good, solid love story. You know, it's Titanic with ghosts. <laughs> Although, not as long and way prettier to look at. Mm. But uh, anyway, uh, number nine, uh, another film I think a lot of people probably didn't see, but uh, Kingsman with uh, Colin Firth. That was uh, excellent. Went into it thinking it was just going to be entertaining, you know, like fun kind of action comedy. Mind blown. It's phenomenal action. One of, probably one of the best scenes of the year. Colin Firth goes into a church. And <laughs> when you get to it, yeah. you'll be like, yep, that was yep. one of the best scenes I've seen in a long time. Especially in the year that, of some of the movies we mentioned already. Yep. And uh, a lot of other movies came out this year, but one of the ones that I really liked, uh, a lot of the ones I previously mentioned were you know, kind of on all levels, visuals, acting, music, whole packages. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 10 for me was pretty much acting and directing was pretty good, but Man From U.N.C.L.E. And I say that because I think Army Hammer is one of the most underrated actors out there uh, right now. I, like, they're doing a young Han Solo movie. I don't know why they don't get him to do it. Uh, but Army Hammer, uh, Henry Cavill, and then uh, uh, the chick, uh, Alicia Vendekar, Michael Fosbender's girlfriend, if you want to want a little tidbit <laughs> of uh, TMZ knowledge. And my wife told me we were watching uh, the Danish girl about her. But anyway, if you haven't seen it, it's, a, it's funny. It's well acted. Just a good solid. It's better than Spectre because Spectre sucked. Sorry if you're a James <laughs> Bond fan. Yeah. Uh, they're he, different movies. Yeah, they, oh, they, sure. yeah, yeah, they are. They're very different. But I mean, if you want to see a spy movie this year, there's a layer of comedy Man <laughs> and Man of Uncle. Yeah. Or Man from Uncle. Oh, spy wise, I liked Bridge of Spies. Oh, well. That's, that's a that's totally different mention, idea, but that's, again, too. like, you know, you have Bridge of Spies over here in this corner. <laughs> Man as far as spy Uncle movies, Spectre, yeah. yeah. Three different kinds of spy I mean, movies. Totally different. But, uh, again, this year was full of some really good movies. Uh, again, these are just my ten fa- These are ones I will watch again that I'm, you know, some of them multiple, multiple times. Uh, but other honorable mentions, Jurassic World, uh, you know, second highest grossing film of the year was really good. Uh, Ant-Man, I'm a cheerleader for that film. A lot of people didn't, that was another one people kind of loved, liked, liked it or hated. I thought it was great. It was a good, it was a, in the, you know, it was more along to the uh, barometer of Guardians of the Galaxy than, you know, Winter Soldier, which I think the, comp, the Marvel movies need that. They need to have some of the more lighthearted, less intense uh, movies. I mean, Civil War, I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Your heart, oh, oh God, yeah. I mean, it's, that's going to be intense. I mean, you know, they're, Captain America has become... Their, that, well, they were lack friends. of a better word, their flagship <laughs> franchise. Well, I liked about this year in particular, I, I felt like I noticed a lot more based on true story or oh, based yeah. on true fact things or documentary style things. Oh, yeah. like they had, um, well, they, For they the had the best pictures, all but one of them is based on a true story. Yeah, they, you want to guess which one isn't? I'll give you a hint. It's The Martian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, they, uh, and, and even like in the, like, uh, I'm sorry to take what you're saying away from me, but uh, like, you know, the, the whole controversy, Oscar is so white, et cetera. But if you look at the acting category, the nominees at least, I think all of them but Matt Damon were playing a p- real person. Yeah. and hmm. So, I it mean, really I'm just brings, throwing that out there. They're playing real people with <laughs> a lot of these roles. I mean, it really brings about more of a connection between you watching a film because 
any time that I've ever seen on the screen, as soon as it's as soon as it shows up, like based on a true story, based on real actual facts, like with Bridge of Spies, mm-hmm. you know, outside of the fact that I love Tom Hanks, so I pretty much love anything that he does. But outside of that, when I knew that the a lot of what was happening was based on true events and uh, from a historical point, it's like that just brought me into it more. Or yeah. like with um, what was what was the one about the newspaper? The, the spotlight. T- spotlight. Yeah, I just saw that the other day. You know, knowing that one of the scariest movies that. of the year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> saw that on Facebook that you. Yeah, knowing, went to the theater and saw it. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, knowing comfort that. Of my own. I mean, uh, comfort of my own yeah. local theater. <laughs> it felt like home. Yeah. Because they know me there. I walk in like, hey, Trey, what movie are you watching tonight? Well, I, say, I think I'll see Spotlight. <laughs> well, and knowing that that was a real paper, a legitimate, yeah. like, th- these reporters actually went out and did this. Yeah, it's a movie, but those actors are having to portray a person that really did these things. And that, that makes it ten times more entertaining for me to watch yeah. them. It's like, I thought, uh, what was it, Mark Wahlberg, who... In Spotlight? Yeah, Ruffalo. Who is I was like, Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg, you know? Mark Wahlberg. Oh, oh no, no, Marky not Mark. Wal- not Wal- Wal- no, not Mark We Mark. saw different movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We <laughs> saw Daddy's Home. I saw Spotlight. <laughs> no, no. I think I got a Spotlight. <laughs> no. no, different Mark. <laughs> He's priest of molesting kids? Oh, my God. What? No. Call your mother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I, no, I agree like completely. He, he got a, a nomination as as yeah, best actor, but he got one and Keaton didn't. Uh, yeah, but Prime. I, <laughs> but I, I don't know if he's gonna. But he he was not that. He wasn't the bright spot of that for me. Yeah. He wasn't in the spotlight in that movie. But I mean, he should have got nominated for, or maybe he did for uh, last year, Foxcatcher. Nominated for six Oscars. Ruffalo? No, I mean this oh. movie. Yeah. What, Marky Mark? Crap. He got oh, nominated. No. <laughs> I will not. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. no, 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 Marky Mark. No, no, no. But yeah, uh, and also one of my last. I mean, again, a lot of good films this year, but just a highlight. Bridge of Spies was one of them. Tom Hanks is the uncanny ability. Like that movie, it wasn't necessarily a. Sa- it was a happy ending. Like mm-hmm. at, at first, when after not to spoil it, because I'm sure a lot of people probably haven't seen that one. But where he says if they do something when he gets to the other end of the bridge, and they have that scene, and then but then they tell you at the end of the credits what happened, the real mm-hmm. life thing. Uh-huh. But uh, Tom, like same thing with Captain Phillips. Uh, Tom Hanks is such a phenomenal actor. That at the end of Bridge of Spies, I'm like bawling. Like the characters, I'm like, oh, it's not even sad. That's the thing. It's just his <laughs> yeah. character getting home. I was just so happy for his fucking character. Mm. And Captain Phillips, when he's in the room at the end, just start. He starts crying. I'm I, crying. I'm like, oh my god. Was, she I, hasn't seen it. But I, I know, well, you know the he line. lives. It's a true story. I am the captain now. I know that. Isn't that the one? <laughs> yeah. I am. I am the captain now. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. not, it's a, again, it's a true you story. You didn't he, want to see there's it. no surprise. Well, he, he doesn't die. I will say sometimes, that, and, and I will say this about m- movie watching for me personally, sometimes if I fear for a certain character, I almost feel like I don't want to watch it for mm-hmm. fear of like what is going to happen to them. So n- kind that's of knowing. That's the journey. Yeah. You know, kind of knowing <laughs> like, oh, well, he, he may or may not survive. That helps me to kind of get to the end. Yeah. <laughs> so now I might be able to get through it. Yeah, but uh, moving on now to the bottom of 2015. Mm. I watched them and told you about them so you don't have to. Although one of these I'm sure a lot of you fucking saw. And I pity you. I'm I'm there with you. Okay, number five. The fifth worst film of the year in my opinion. I guess these are in order. I'm just scanning it. Yeah, they're kind of in order. Fantastic Four. Mm. Yeah, absolutely garbage. Don't get much. uh, Great fan. Like you have... The four people they got for the four, except for the guy that plays Ben Grimm, fantastic. Like, great. Miles Teller, Kate Mara, uh, Michael B. Jordan, Paulo Adonis Creed himself. 
you know, you have a great cast, but every, that cast cannot help this film. Mm -hmm. Absolute garbage. Total, total garbage. The worst idea for Doctor Doom ever. Yeah. Absolute yeah. dog shit. Number four, a film I watched just the other day. Absolutely terrible. And the lead actor in this film will make another appearance on this list. It's The Last Witch Hunter. Basic, <laughs> also known as Vin Diesel playing his D&D character in a movie. <laughs> well, Which, hey, it's his dream. <laughs> yeah, it's his, it's his dream to do this. But I'm like, A, okay, first of all, when he's like in his medieval, like showing his origin, imagine if Macklemore had a Santa Claus beard and that's what Vin Diesel looks like for the first half of this film. Ugh. And then he becomes, and then it's, he's immortal because of this witch, so it's modern day. And he's wearing suits. Like, he's James Bond, but he fight, he's immortal and fights witches. It's really dumb. It's absolutely stupid. Oh, <laughs> See, look, Macklemore with a beard. Oh. And I don't think Vin Diesel's a bad actor. I think, like, uh, Chronicles of Riddick, not just Riddick, because he destroyed the character with that film, but Chronicles of Riddick, when he's being a stoic... I don't laugh, I don't smile, I'm a badass character, it works for me. But just like in Riddick, he's, he becomes wisecracking. He's, when he smiles, he, doesn't look, he looks like the biggest teddy bear. He doesn't look like he's a badass at all. Like, <laughs> That's true. I, I, like, uh, I'm watching, like, why is this movie so bad? Why is he so bad? He's not, like, he's an imposing-looking character when, like, he gets that pissed look. I mean, you know, like, oh, shit, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, we're playing D&D, &D and I'm a DM, DM in his game, and I kill him, and he gives me that look. Oh, no, actually, uh... Oh, the, the water scythe missed you, and you're actually at two health. Don't kill me in reality. But when he smiles, he looks so... Oh, no. he, I, he's, he loses all of his threatening, all of his on-screen uh, presence, I guess you could say. And in, in Last Witch Hunter, like, he goes from like, Why are you doing this? You know, being like a badass to like, Hey, but I'm not going to kill you. I mean, oh, it's he just, does. Oh, geez. He, when, when he, again, when he he pops jokes in this film like bad ones, and again, they think by adding a Game of Thrones actress who, in my opinion, when these people from Game of Thrones like Jon Snow, Amelia no. Clark, and her are put in another movie, they're not as good. They're not. Of course not. They're great in their characters. Like Amelia Clark's phenomenal in Game of Thrones. Uh, Terminator Genesis, which is not on <laughs> bottom five. It had its own special category for that one. Yeah. But so. we'll, let's move along to run along. Uh, Last Witch Hunter, terrible. Don't even watch it. Again, I'm a sucker for like any kind of fantasy movie. I was like, even my friend at the theater who gets me the free passes, Larry, he's like, dude, don't. I'm like, I, I just, it's fantasy. I gotta watch it. Uh, I wasted an hour and a half of my life. Don't, please don't do the same. It's like a 90s. If Constantine was gonna be as bad as like its worst haters said it was, that you get the la it, that equals the Last Witch Hunter. It's terrible. Don't watch it. Hmm. Uh, number three, one we did talk about on the podcast, Dragon Blade. Wait, Jackie, I was going to ask you about Jackie it. Jackie Chan and John Cusack and Adrian Brody. Uh, it was you not know. forgotten, I guess. <sighs> oh, God. It, it's A, it's long. It doesn't have any inspired fight scenes. Like, it's, it's no House of Flying Daggers or Hero or it's. And you got a good cast, but 6. the movie 1. sucks. <laughs> it is so bad and it's so fucking long. It feels, <laughs> what is it? Maybe two hours, maybe? But it feels like. Does it have the running time? Two hours, yeah, it's a little over two, two hours. It feels like four. <laughs> I'm like, please be over. And John Cusack is a great actor, but apparently he cannot act like he's being burned alive and his eyeballs are missing. <laughs> he's on fire and he's just calmly like, go, save them. Oh, it's so bad. The tra and the trailer makes it look so good. Like, you watch the trailer and like, that looks kind of badass. I'm kind of buying this cast. Oh, nah, bro. It's, it becomes a homoerotic love story with... 
those three actors, and it's just, it's dumb. <laughs> uh, moving on. What are, honestly, the, the, my pick, I, I'm going to rearrange this order real quick. Instead of, I'm going to move number one to number two, because I'm just kind of really thinking about this, and number two deserves to be number one. Uh, number two, I'd say, would be Furious 7. Vin Diesel makes two appearances on this countdown. I'm not a fan mm. of the Furious movies. I've only seen the first one, the fifth one, and then this one. And I don't know why they just don't put them in multicolored tights and say they're the Avengers <laughs> and let them do this superhuman shit they do. <laughs> you know, Paul Walker, rest in peace. It's your send-off. But I'm sorry. Like, the shit that happens in this movie is unbelievable, even in an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie or in a new Avengers movie. I think movie. that's the point. <laughs> I think that's the point of these movies. Well, and I think that it's just it's it. gone on for so long at this point. I mean, you, when you get to it's the point stop. of it's at seven, I mean, you're almost getting to land before yeah, time they're, they're numbers. Already got, already got, no, land before time's on like 13 or something <laughs> oh, now. I saw it on, there's a new one on gonna, Netflix. They're going to get it. They're going to oh, yeah. get there. But they already announced that they're going, they got eight and nine scheduled or something. Ooh. I saw a graphic. But, uh, you know, I, we all love dumb movies. We all have our, like, guilty pleasures. And, like, I have my, my list of guilty pleasure movies that are on it. Like, I can admit they're terrible, but I'll still watch them because I love them, despite the fact they're terrible. Like, I can't even see that in these films. It's just... I think these are for people, like, 15 years younger than us. Like, it must that's be. their dumb movie of the time. Well, and it's a it's style. Just, it's, it's a very specific style of action film with the whole cars and the... It's just... It's that kind of... Like, you, honestly, you have to get those kind of people that want to watch it. I would love this movie if it wasn't called Fast and the Furious, if it was called Transformers. And the cars <laughs> transformed and fought with them. Then this would be an amazing Transformers movie. Better than any of Michael Bay's. Mm-hmm. But as... I mean, the cars are parachuting in, and somehow they can maneuver a car via parachute to land on a road. Right. And the, big, mm-hmm. the funniest thing... I, I died laughing. I mean, of course, The Rock's in it. I love The Rock, regardless. Yeah. Like, he makes... I, I wish it was just Kurt him. Russell comes back. He doesn't even do much, though. I know he so, does you know, like, God, he's already out of the movie? And then, the whole, and then Statham's a villain? Like, you have, you have, like, pieces set up for, like, an amazing... But Rock was movie. a villain at one point. Then he, became... he was a cop. Yeah, and that's the only, one of the other ones I saw, the fifth one. So, yeah, Statham might come back and... No, oh, after what happened at the end where Vin Diesel, like, rocket punches the ground and it, the parking garage collapses. It's so fucking stupid! Like, oh, my God, Deckard Shaw's back. All is forgiven. Let's... Drive cars together. Oh, they're driving cars <laughs> out of buildings into other buildings. Like, right. Oh my! I'm, I'm like, I'm rolling. I wasn't drunk either. I should have like <laughs> taken shots every time something was dumb in this yeah. movie. Like, uh, you know, talking about it with you guys, I can see how people could love it for it being so stupid. Right. But it's to me, in my opinion, it's saying a lot when a movie is so stupid. I can't even like it. So <laughs> I just can't understand why why this movie is so great. But that's just me. But uh, the movie that I just switched to number one. Because I remembered something about it, mm. but the number one, the worst movie I saw this year, bar none, uh, even despite the crap I've already listed, would have to be mm. Jupiter Ascending. And wow, I haven't seen that one. Don't. I heard a lot of bad stuff, okay. so I just kind okay. of avoid it. The Wachowskis, which this movie looked like it's pretty. It has its pretty moments. However, uh, the story is ridiculous. Channing Tatum has like rollerblades that he zooms through the sky with. So he's rollerblading in the air. And despite that, it still looks, it doesn't look bad. But the fact when you look at him, he's not just flying. He's rollerblading. <laughs> he is air skating. And also the fact that, ladies and gentlemen, your winner of Best Actor last year, the ridiculously stupid Kermit the Frog-looking motherfucking Eddie Redmayne, <laughs> is the, like... Nominated I, this year, I, too. I, yeah, unjustly. I saw yeah, that movie, I'm, and everything about the movie is trash. Except Alicia it. Van, whatever last name is, Michael Fossman's girlfriend. 
He is the most overrated, worst actor. I don't understand why people like suck him off, thinking he's so great. <laughs> he, he, you know, Lay Miz is. A, I love that movie, but every time I see him on screen, it's like I just wish they'd replace him with Kermit the Frog, like because <laughs> it'd be more enjoyable than watching this dude. But his performance in Jupiter Ascending is it's like he need, he he needs to win multiple raspberries for this movie. Like every year, he should get a raspberry, like an honorary raspberry every year for being in this film and being that character. And like, if you just look at some scenes, like it doesn't look bad. It has like a visual style. It looks it pretty. It does. And again, it's the Wachowski. So I'm like, I, I, I know it's going to be pretty, which it was. But every other the story is, and again, Eddie Redmayne alone, like, is. You just want to. Re- I want the ticket from Last Action Hero so I can go into this movie and just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> I cannot stand this guy. And I'm sorry, Eddie Redmayne, if you're actually happen to listen to this podcast. There's something about you, bro. Uh, you're overrated and I don't like you thanks for listening to the podcast I have seen your movie so you know I guess we're kind of even but uh oh god do not see this movie is it the the guy that you're talking about is the one that was sitting on the throne the whole time he he talks like this but actually actually he was I bet he was preparing for his role in the Danish girl while he was filming this movie (laughs) because he's bad he is he is bad I didn't like him in Les Mis me either exactly he was Like, I've never seen that anything about Les Mis. I went and saw it because of Russell Crowe and Hugh Jackman. Mm. And, you know, I've never seen it. And thankfully, no, like... No, it might have had a lot to do with his character, too. But it seems no, like it's he's... No, pro- it's him. But it's yeah. him. I promise he you. He has the same look in, like, every single thing. Like, all the pictures. It's the same kind of he look in the, his face. He's the dramatic Jonah Hill. Like, he's the same fucking thing in every... No matter mm. what movie he's in. If he's playing a... a transgender person. If he's playing an emperor of a galaxy. If he's playing, you know, a love-struck little... You know, Kermit the Frog motherfucker and Les Mis, whatever he's in, he's the same fucking thing. And I'm sorry, but, you know, they already have the, the, the Owen Wilson with the crooked nose. They don't need another one. Like, yeah. It's but just. That's the worst movie of the year. Far by, you know, not by far, but all these movies, like, watch any of the movies I said were the top 10 over any of the. Like, don't even experiment with these five. Uh, Jesse, please, his voice. I wanted to hear his voice. I'm hulking. <laughs> Very red mind. I'm stupid. I'm overrated. It's not going to say anything. Please, because you're getting <coughs> fat, or maybe it's been raining too long. You just, that's sad. Okay, I don't want to take that's his voice oh, off this no. podcast right now. <laughs> I, I, we I, don't I, edit. You know, a lot of the time, like, you know, you, you say, oh, I hate that movie. I hate that guy. Like, you know, it's a figure of speech most of the time to where, like, you know, <laughs> I just don't like their performance. I hate Eddie Redmayne. Like, I, I don't get. How could he possibly win you back? What role would he have to like dominate? He'd, have to, he'd just have to be good in something. Like, I mean, <laughs> and again, well, it's, it's, it's subjective well, and opinionated. Don't get right. me wrong; I understand that. But like, but it's—is it similar? What can he do? He sucks. Is it similar to the feeling that most people have about Nicolas Cage, where it's like he's got that one decent movie where he's really good in? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Cage has a lot of decent movies. <laughs> for You're talking about Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> no, Nicolas Cage is at least—he's bad, but he's enjoyable. I watched that stupid movie with him and Hayden Christensen on Netflix just because he was in it. All five <laughs> minutes that he was in it after I slave like an hour into it before he shows up. Wow. But this is like... Eddie, like, no, this is not even the same sport. <laughs> like, it's just... I can't, I can't put it into words. Like, I just, I just don't like the guy. Like, mm. I, yeah, and he, he, he won last year, unjustly, I, if I, in my opinion. And he's nominated this year. You know, when I hear like that, you know, like we jokingly mentioned, you know, Oscar's so white. Like, he shouldn't... He sh- First of all, he won for playing Stephen Hawking. The, uh, they have the nominees. Yeah. Yeah. That last year, uh, mm-hmm. where's okay? I'm sorry. Like oh, all these yeah. were better. <laughs> Steve Carell was amazing. Michael yeah, King should have won, bar none. 
Right. But Benedict Cumberbatch oh, in the Imitation yeah. Game, yeah. American Sniper, Bradley Cooper did a great job in it. I mean, again, all those were better than Eddie Redmayne playing, you know, I'm going to use an R word here. I mean it in a sense of Tropic Thunder. Like, he went full retard. <laughs> like, and you never go full retard. Like, he, he basically, he didn't do one. He just imitated, like, the... Yeah, yeah. And I'm not poking fun at Stephen Hawking. He's a genius. But I mean, that's all that he was making. To me, he was making fun of Stephen Hawking. He it's wasn't one of those movies even, I started and didn't finish. It's it was it was there was no point to it. Same thing with the fucking Danish girl. There's <laughs> no point to the damn movie. Oh, but oh, it's critically like who? What fucking critics are saying these well, movies are good? Is it? Is it that it's so artsy almost? It's not like even art. No, it's is not. There's it, I mean, nothing. I'm not, I haven't seen it, so I don't. I mean, it's just the title alone makes me imagine it to be something very kind of artsy film style. It's not Danish it's, girl. It's the director Le Miz, so it's him and the director Le Miz together again, and I think he did the King speech too. The director. So I mean, it's a talented director. And Les Mis had some very great visuals, and The King's Speech was a good drama movie, but The Danish Girl's like, it's uninspired. And A, first of all, it's based on a true story, but here's what it's based on. It's based on a book that fictionalizes the life of a person that we know practically nothing about. So it's mm. based on a book that's fictionalized, that's based on a real person. Mm. So basically a lot of, and then I, re, you know, because I love, one of my favorite things to do is when there's a movie based on a true story. Like The Revenant, which I didn't even know was a true story until after the movie. Like, oh, let me find, oh shit, that really happened. Holy mm. shit. Yeah, I did the you same know? thing. I mean, that's even one that you can go and read up on all the stuff yeah. about the guy. It's like, oh, this is who DiCaprio, like, yeah. a they lot of changed that some things, but like, this is who the guy was. You can read up on him. Exactly. But uh, to try to rein this back in, uh, yeah, Eddie Redmayne sucks. Don't watch Jupiter Ascending or anything he's Have you in. seen from- Hick? <laughs> Hick? He was what? awful in Hick. It's called Hick. Oh wait, something about Bill Hicks or something else? No, no, no. He plays like a redneck in in the movie Hick. Does he have an accent? I don't know. Is this Did one? You lose something? <laughs> <laughs> Speak. Put that thing down. You gonna take her too? <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that not like? <laughs> is he actually thinking like well, people act? People it's actually just, talk it's like it's that. It's this is for talk. <laughs> God, he's like, this movie's called What the fuck do you want from me? What more could I do for you? Oh, he's supposed to be like some sort of domestic abuser? Yeah, right. He punched that chick in the face. His hand would shatter. He's so tiny. I hate the guy. That's another movie I started at. It finished too. Like, like if, popular with Eddie Redmayne. Like me. even the uh, the fantastic the Harry Potter movie, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I think he's like the main character. Like autumn, and Autumn, you know, I like Harry Potter. Autumn loves it. I'm just like I don't know if I want to see this movie. And like because he's in it, like he deters me from watching films. I can't enjoy it because of what he's done. But hey, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. That's just my opinion, Mr. Redmayne. If you're listening. Fuck, you're not a mister. I'm older than your fucking ass. You respect my opinion, youngin. No, but anyway. Uh, and a new category for this for this year I've made up. Biggest disappointment. And that's where Terminator Genesis falls into the, the scope of films this year. We ran it about it on a previous episode. <laughs> Big, cute. I don't know what episode it was, but it was a horrible, horrible disappointment of a film for me. Arnold was the only thing about it. Every time he's not on screen... Mm-hmm. shoot me in the head I, want, I wanted a Terminator to come in and just kill me at that point when he's not on screen Amelia Clark again you're great in Game of Thrones you are not Sarah Connor Daenerys is a character succeeds because she's coming into power she's, she's like a child that gets molded into a ruler in the series Sarah Connor and I think I might have said use the same verbiage when we were talking about it before is like she's like there's Ellen Ripley 
There's Sarah Khan, like she's a female, there's Furiosa now. I mean, she's an icon of women's heroes in cinema. Mm. And in Genesis, she's a weak, wisecracking, yes, I mean, it was, she was cast because of Game of Thrones, not because I really think that she could have done, they should have got Lena Headey back from the mm. Sarah Connor Chronicles and Game of Thrones, because she was Sarah Connor, yeah. and she's played badass, excuse me, women, Judge, uh, excuse me, Dread. Uh, you know, she's been, she, I believe that she will kick the shit out of me. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I would be afraid of her with a weapon. Amelia Clark, oh, come on, baby. I just, I, I, I talk to you like Eddie Redmayne and maybe lure you to a <laughs> sense of security. And then, you know, oh, I just shot you or something. Whatever. Yeah. Biggest disappointment of the year. Terminator Genesis for me. Uh, and then because I'm not sure when uh, the Oscars are sometime into this month, but Oscar predictions really quickly because this is a long welcome back episode. Everybody loves lists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, for best picture, I believe The Revenant's going to win, although I would really like Fury Road to win. Of course. Yeah. Like, if I would, my, it would be amazing. George Miller deserves it. Uh, same thing with director. Uh, I think Alejandro in, in Aritu is going to win. Uh, I, think, I think Revenant's pretty much going to sweep the, main, the big three actor, uh, director and picture, but I would lo- I would I want I want George Miller to win and Fury Road to win, but I think I mean prediction wise, Revenant's going to win. I don't think anything's going to hold a candle to that this year. And of course, actor DiCaprio. We mentioned what the fuck is Ready Ben Ready Eddie Redmayne even nominated in this category <laughs> for? Uh, and no Tom Hanks for Bridge of Spies. I know. I know. Like because uh, I, I think that he's just so damn good. They just. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. They I, just can't put him in there. I definitely want Jennifer Lawrence. Oh gosh, I love her in Joy. Really? Oh. Haven't seen. I, honestly, I haven't seen any of these movies that the actresses are nominated, so I have no opinion on that. She but if I had to place room. a, if I had to place a guess, I'm guessing Kate Blanchett. She is such a strong female in that film. As far as I mean, just I don't know. There's something enjoyable. I like watching. Enjoyable her. about <laughs> Joy. Yes, enjoyable about Joy. And see, like I thought the same thing until Sorry. I saw Mockingjay Part One the other day. I've only like, ever read all of those books. I've never once even wanted to. I, I guess because I have a picture of what the story is in my mind mm-hmm. from reading the stories. I don't want it messed up. I don't want. I, I want it to end the way I read it, and that's see, it. I didn't like the first movie, and I haven't autumn read the books. I haven't. I the first movie was stupid. Watched the second one on Netflix. And I'm like, okay, this. I, okay, I kind of want to see where this goes. So we watched Mock and Jay Part One because she wants to see. Because again, she read the books, and then I'm just like. Like, what Jennifer Lawrence is this? Like, it was terrible. I was like, this is Jennifer Lawrence? Like, yeah, I think it's the worst movie she's ever done. Like, an acting job she's ever done. And funny enough, book-wise, normally in a trilogy of stories, the second one is not normally my favorite because it's kind of like that just continuation. But I really did... Uh, for that series, I liked the second one better. Yeah, the, than the second movie three. was great. They dropped the shaky cam all the time. They didn't have so many what the fuck moments <laughs> for people who are a movie watcher, not a, a book reader. But I, and I think that's why I liked her so much in Joy because it's very different. Oh, it's David Russell, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's him and yeah. her again. Oh, it's the two of His them together team. too. Yeah. It's really, it's really good. Yeah. American it's, Hustle and Silver Linings Playbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm worried about her in X Men Apocalypse because she doesn't seem very. Like, Happy. She doesn't want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't even want to wear the makeup anymore. I don't blame her. I mean, that's a lot of makeup. It is, but if you love the role, you'd do it. Yeah. But I don't it, think she likes it. Yeah. I think now she's kind of beyond that. Like, her star is high enough to where she, yeah. she signed, like, a so many picture deal to finish it out or what. But, 
Yeah, we'll see about that one in a few months. Uh, but mm -hmm. supporting actor, uh, I hope Stallone gets it. Uh, although I wouldn't complain if Tom Hardy won it for The Revenant because as good as DiCaprio was, Hardy was just as good in The Revenant, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And a no Keaton nomination for Spotlight. Everybody else gets nominated but him. He deserved it. I thought he should have gotten it in there. Mm -hmm. uh, supporting actress, Jennifer Jason Lee for Hateful Eight. I uh, haven't, uh, haven't seen Carol, so I can't have an opinion on Rudy I mean, Mara, just, but I mean, I've never been impressed with her. Just based on Golden Globes alone, Kate Winslet, I don't know if, because she won the, the Globe. Yeah. Well, usually, I mean, sometimes there's a, it's a correlation there sometimes, but a lot, a lot of the times it's different. Because, yeah. right. uh, I mean, not all, again, not all the time, but some people say it's an indication. But I mean, Kate Winslet was good in Steve Jobs. So it was Fossbender, incredible, both, you know, good performances. But I mean, was it better than, you know, in my opinion, Jennifer Jason Lee and Hateful Eight? No. Was it better than Rachel McAdams? Yes. Was it better than Alicia Vinkendar? Eh, probably on the same level. Because, mm. uh, I mean, again, if you watch Danish Girl, she's the best part about it. The movie's terrible, but, I mean, she's, she's good in everything. She was, again, Ex Machina, Man From U.N.C.L.E. She's been in everything. It's her and Oscar Isaac, like you mentioned before, and Don Hall Gleason. They've been in everything mm. this year. <laughs> so, but yeah, and then, um, so, we'll find out in a couple weeks. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say DiCaprio's going to get it. <laughs> Hope I don't jinx, it jinx you, Leo. I mean, everybody's, because it's a voting thing, they've all yeah. been influenced by everything they've been hearing. So. I would imagine. Yeah. And I still, I mean, why is, why is Matt Damon and Eddie Redmayne? No, there's so many better performances. Yeah, they could have uh, got rid of that whole controversy with, like, just throw Idris Elba in there or something. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> it's on my Netflix queue, but I've seen, like, the trailer for Beast of No Nation. Mm -hmm. And, first of all, Elba's always, like, yeah, he's, he's like it. a solid act. Like he need like Daniel Craig stepping away from Bond, get Idris Elba. Like it doesn't matter. Like and then oh, well, James Bond is. It doesn't matter. His name came up as uh, the new Doctor Who. That'd be badass. Yeah. Well, if it's between because because uh, Jesse asked me the other day, it's like, would you rather a you know a, a male doctor that's black or or a female doctor's like. I just can't see myself wanting a female doctor. It doesn't. I, I mean, if that, no. if it's a good actor, I don't fucking care. Right. I mean, on, I mean, I, they they wouldn't, I wouldn't want feel, but I, he. I mean, they'll build a story around it either way. I mean, he, he regenerates. He's not, he, you know, why, why is he always regenerated as a white male in a universe exactly. of infinite yeah. races and colors? Well, because he has before us was like, am I a ginger? Oh yeah. He's asked, am I a ginger? And like, nope, <laughs> no. not a ginger. He's like, oh, I've always wanted to be a ginger. Because so. he's, you know, I mean, it's not like he's like a sexual being. You oh know yeah. What I'm saying? It's like. He could be. Oh, any, you always yeah, wanted to be, be a ginger. Anything. Then Eddie Redmayne is your next doctor. <laughs> oh, oh God! No! No! <laughs> 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 I was be killing myself. <laughs> but uh, and I saw I made it past Matt Smith because I, I just can't I can't do it. Oh, you got to get to Peter Capaldi. I know that's why I tell Walt, I'm like we just got to suffer through it so we at least know what's going on. But it's just like I mean well, I think we talked we talked to see that are off off the air or something. But I mean once you go from David Tennant and then like Matt Smith is coming, it's just like there's like ah. Uh, Again, haven't seen it all, so maybe it gets better. Yeah, well, both ties are cool. But it's just like, yeah. no, they're not. I don't care who says it. I just Elba can be like, both ties are cool. I'll be like, I still don't think they are. Just, I'm just saying, agree to disagree. Yeah, I don't but think anyway, he'll ever say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not even wearing a tie there. Or no, he's wearing a tie. Not a bow tie. But anyway, uh, so yeah, our episode back, a whole bunch of lists. So if you got any opinions on any of the lists, let us know. If you like Eddie Redmayne, tell me what the fuck you're smoking and let me know why. Yeah, Explain tell us what to movie to watch. That yeah, that'll in. change my opinion of Eddie Redmayne. Again, I'm going to see the Fantastic Beast, but again, I don't. That doesn't, you know, whatever. I mean, if he if he's in the new Star Wars, I'm going to be like, oh my god, oh my god, I don't know if I can handle this. 
They'll put him in the next DC movie as like the Riddler or something. Like he could pull that off. I, <laughs> I, I think now, granted, you know, he might not be the greatest up, but the Riddler, he might be able to pull that role off. Well, they, the Riddler should never be in a Batman movie, in my opinion. It's just like uh, he's great in the comics. He's good for that medium, but as a movie, yeah, to I mean, me, that, that character like doesn't can't be work. Name. Well, he's in Gotham. I don't watch Gotham, <laughs> but he's he's a very different. Riddler. I mean, yeah. he's he's his real just self. Edward yeah, Nigma. He's just no one he's, thought that was weird. E Nigma. <laughs> yeah, Mister E. Mystery. Mystery. <laughs> we just totally did a scene from Batman Forever. Yeah. And what else? What is another name for a mystery? An enigma. Mister E Nigma. Let me take my chair to the back. <laughs> oh God! Enough of bad movies. All right. But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope there's still a couple listeners out there who are still listening after months <laughs> off. But we're back at least for a while longer, and we're kicking off next week, Animation Fest. There's been a severe lack of animated films on this podcast. Oh, we didn't say about animated film, Oscar. Oh, I just did the main ones, but yeah. what was, I think uh, Inside Out's going to win that I one. Inside am. That was the best one. Uh, yeah, Good Dinosaur would have been nominated because, Aww. yeah, it was a disaster. I didn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's what I, and this made perfect sense when I read it. Uh, what's his name? Lasseter didn't come in until like, the last act, and he kind of redid the last act, and mm. that's where the movie got good. The, everything, the first hour, I'm like, this is... Autumn is, Autumn's a Disney fanatic, and she's like, uh, you want to just turn this off? I'm like, <laughs> let's just see it through. I mean, you know, it's Pixar, you know, and in the end, it, the very end was great. You know, even all, but it didn't make up for the, it wasn't no, the selfish parts. It, exactly. It wasn't. When the ending came. There's no land before like, time. Ugh. That's true. <laughs> Which, if you like the land before time, come back in three weeks. But yeah, starting next week, we're going to kick off Animation Month. We're going to start with the Don Bluth classic, An American Tale, which we were singing selections from before we went on the air. <laughs> so we're going to do uh, some of the ones so you can get your viewing in priority. Uh, we're going to do An American Tale. We're going to follow that up with Black Cauldron. Then we're going to do a twofer of, uh, I'm trying to remember now, uh, Last Unicorn and Flight of Dragons, which oh, Jeremy yes. at D&D said, like, you haven't seen that? I'm like, no. It's like, oh, it's a great movie from the 80s. I'm like, okay, I check it out. I got a preview of that, of what you think of it. Oh, yeah. If you, if you follow <laughs> me on Facebook or whatever, you, you know what I think of that already. But that's why there's a reason we did it in a two-for-one thing, because I can't talk about that movie for longer than five minutes. <laughs> <You're> right. So, <laughs> spoilers. But we'll talk about that, and then we're going to wrap it up with, as Melissa mentioned, The Land Before Time. So, until next week, everybody, I remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. And Melissa Sedgley. Cowabunga! Find this show and more on facebook.com slash awesomepods and follow us on Twitter at Awesome Pods.